You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. I'd be listening to the mainstream media and just be left frustrated on how they covered these stories. They would completely ignore facts just to promote their own agenda. I said, man, I could do a better job than these fools. I should start my own show. So I did. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Freedom Strips. As always, I am your host, Keaton Tucker, and I've got Matt Bell back in the studio. What is Hey-o. up? What is hey, up, man. my brother? It is, uh, I'm, you know, just staying busy. And uh, like I was telling you earlier, it's better to be busy than it is to be bored. Because typically when you're bored, you're more poor and more prone to make uh, exciting decisions. So That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah. I'm keeping, keeping it... Uh, Keeping it healthy, staying busy, man. Staying real busy. Well, staying busy is, like you said, staying busy is way better than the alternative. So so much I'll so take that. that somebody said to me the other day. They asked, they were like, "Hey, man, when's last when's last time you did a podcast?" And I said, "I think it's been over ninety days. It's been over ninety days since I did a pod, and I enjoy doing them. So yeah, that's how that's how busy I've been. I forgot that I have a podcast. <laughs> well, and." Uh, it's funny. I wanted you back on the show and uh, we've been kind of uh, chatting back and forth through social media and different things like that. And, and it's we always have fun conversations and, and fun topics to, to talk about on social media. And uh, I was like, man, we are past due to have Matt back on the show to just sit down and chat with one of my good buds. So uh, I'm glad you're back on here. But I, I do feel kind of weird every time I... Uh, I ask you, we have like some kind of uh, <laughs> tragedy happen. I don't want you to be like the gun guy, but... Uh, I'm, the, I'm the tragedy guy now. Yeah, you're the tragedy guy. I, I ask you to come on the show, and then we have these horrible situations in uh, El Paso and Dayton, where, I mean, it's almost... Um, it, it's uh, I don't want to say like... Which it almost is. I mean, people almost get calloused to these type of events now just because they happen so often. And um, you always hear the same argument. You know, each each side goes back to their corners. And um, although the it does seem like uh, these last two have had a uh, tremendous effect on potential gun control laws and regulations than uh, some of the few in the past. Um have but for those that uh may have been living under a rock of course i'm talking about the el paso and dayton ohio shootings uh very very horrible and tragic events and weirdly enough the el paso shooting done by a far right white supremacist and the one in dayton ohio done by a far left antifa advocate um you know, Elizabeth Warren, far left socialist environmentalist. Um, so you got both sides of the spectrum shown off on these types of events. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, uh, people aren't really talking about like, you know, they're obviously hitting on guns. Guns are the problem. We got to get guns out of the, the situation out of the hands of these, these potential killers. And uh, no one's really talking about the mindset of a person that goes out and does something like this. Like, how in the world does someone 
have a, you know, the situation around them drive them to the point where they would actually go out and commit these types of events. No one's talking about that. Yeah, well, it's a lot easier. That's a much more difficult topic that, you know, is probably a much more difficult thing to solve than than to say, you right. know, hey, what's, you know, if you ever had, I remember, I'll never forget, it was uh, Shannon Canada. Uh, there were people coming down for prayer at church one time. And she was like, I don't know, I just said it. But like this lady came forward for prayer and I just said, is there sin in your life? And the lady just looked at her like, uh, did not think you were going to ask me about that. That's kind of the, that's kind of the question, you know, whether you're religious or not. If you, you start asking questions of the heart, you start getting to, uh, the real meat of life. And that's, it's much easier to, you know, in counseling, they tell you like, what's the presenting issue versus what's the, what's the real issue? What's the core issue? And uh, I think it's much easier to say, hey, let's, let's just make crazy people less able to get guns than it is to say, hey, why are people crazy? Why do people lack purpose? And uh, I'm not here to plug any person because I know how you feel about them. But he did write a really good book called The Right Side of History. And it was about uh, how... That's Ben Shapiro for people that don't know. Yeah, I, and I do like Ben Shapiro. No, I do. I do. I, I, I pick on him sometimes, but uh, overall, I, I agree with him on the vast majority of things. He had a good point about uh, we have a crisis of, of purpose uh, in the United States uh, in so much that people don't know why. And I thought that was really good. People don't know the history of how we got here and the great thinkers and how it integrated into this thing called a republic and how it integrated. And you look at uh, some of the founding fathers that said uh, this, this republic or this constitution, I'm going to butcher this, uh, was basically made for moral people. It was made for righteous and moral people. And what that means is you don't have to have a lot of laws when most people do the right thing. But when people are not doing the right things, laws seem better, more better. You know, if we have more laws, we'll be more safe. If we have more laws, people will not be able to do the wrong things. And that's just never the case. But every time you ask me on, there's always <laughs> I know always it's ter- terrible timing, terrible timing. But uh, no, it is. It is a, uh, a question that nobody is really asking. Nobody's really pursuing at all. It just kind of goes down. And this is on both sides. I mean... The, the people the, the people on the right almost just get caught up purely on the and rightly so I mean it's a it's a valid point but I mean hey look this is the Second Amendment this is your personal rights shall not be infringed right <laughs> that's, that's kind yeah. of where the argument ends on someone on the, on the right but the the situation of look I think there was a there was a study done by Oh, I can't remember the LA times or something like that. They did a deep dive study of all of the mass shooters since the sixties. And they kind of rounded up the, uh, the things they all had in common. And, uh, it was, it was, they grew up in broken households. They always had some sort of traumatic childhood trauma involved in their life ahead of time. And, and you have all of these very nuanced and complex things happening in these kids lives that just aren't being factored in at all you know and uh it's just hard stuff man it's unfortunate it's unfortunate because nothing's going to get solved unless unless you deep dive into those situations 
Exactly. Those are the those are the things though that are that are hard to fix because now you're going back to um, individual choices and how it affects the next generation, how it affects family. You know, you can say, well, you know, you do you, but you in in fact do have a huge impact on on a lot of other people. And um, it kind of, you know, uh, the book The Shack is one of my favorite ones. And there's in chapter nine called Here Comes the Judge. It talks about he finally gets to sit and talk to the great arbiter of justice. And they're like, okay, what would you, you know, what do you want from this person who murdered your child? And he's like, I want justice. I want him to suffer. I want him to die. And he's like, okay, how far back do you want to go? And he's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, let's talk about his childhood. And it cuts to a scene of him getting beat up and, you know, assaulted by his dad. And then that guy, it shows what happened to him, what twisted him up. And the whole point was our pain, it twists us up inside and makes us something different. And it's like, well, how far back do you want to go? These are the questions, man, that when you have a crisis of character and a crisis of heart, you can you can ban all the guns you want. It'll be just like London. They'll replace it with stabbings. They'll replace it with hammers. They'll replace it with rocks. They'll replace it with their fists. You know, and like you still have more people get killed by hammers and fists than you do guns. And it's like, well, we'll ban the guns. And it's like, well, okay, well, what's the point? Is the point to save lives? Because if so, we need to ask the hard questions. You know, is it is it okay to grow up in a single parent household? Is it okay to grow up without a dad? Is it okay to grow up without a mom? And it's like, whoa, 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 man. Hey, you really, <laughs> those are, those going. are, those are questions we're not allowed to ask. Yeah. And so like, we're not asking those questions. So of course we're talking about the presenting topics, you know, when a, when a, a couple comes into counseling, their, their topics are always presenting. Well, he doesn't listen. He's bad with money. He's this, he's that. And it's like, yeah, that's almost never where you end up, you know, as you dive into it, it's, it's super complex because people are, yeah. and, um, it, it, I was going to ask you, have you heard the statistics in New Zealand? Because that's the last time I was on, I think. The shooting was in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately okay. it was. But um, are you talking about the, the statistics on the buyback? Yeah. It, yes. yeah go ahead and give me this, 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 the, uh, the numbers there. I can't remember them off the top of my head. So this is going to be <laughs> some bro science. Wasn't it sub 1% or something? Sub 1% it was like, on the... Of the, of the something million guns, they had something like 527. Yeah. And those were all turned in in the first two days. Yeah. All the rest, no one's turning them in. So now New Zealand has this dilemma. Do we go get them? Do we confiscate? Do we, do we like forcibly go get them? I don't, I don't think, I don't think people realize government, like governing is only governing, and you and I had this conversation, we can go into it, uh, about how far can law enforcement go? And that is, how far are you willing to go to get those guns? Because if they're not willingly complying, are you putting together task force to do house raids and then arrest your citizens? They already are. Pre- that had previously not broken any crime, that broke any laws, no, yeah. no crimes, no nothing. Well, they just said, hey, now your gun is illegal. You can either turn it in or you're a criminal. And it, if they don't turn it in, you have to go get those criminals? Yeah. Well, they, they already are. And uh, I mean, I just saw a news story the other day where a cop was shot and killed on a uh, red flag gun confiscation raid. In, in New Zealand? No, in the US. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, wow. Officer shot and killed 
And that's the thing, man, is just like if you want to see mass shootings in the United States, like enable these gun confiscation laws where you're just going to go into someone's house and, and take their forcibly take their guns. And and the, the thing is, is like the argument boils down to it's like um, people on the left like to say they're anti-gun. They're not anti-gun. They're they are pro gun. They're just pro gun concentrated in the government's hands. They have no issue with law enforcement right. and SWAT raids and and everyone enforcing their laws with weapons. They don't want weapons in the hands of citizens and normal people lives. And so they they have more trust and it's it's really a a in my opinion it kind of breaks down into like almost like a religious trust in, into the government that the government can do no wrong with this and you, you concentrate the power into the government and they're going to take care of you. Um, <laughs> and that's I, the opposite of what, boy, our, of, if you, of what the if founding pick, fathers had. Yeah. I mean, if you just pick up a history book and just, just look at the 20th century at what States, not just the United States, just governments and States, the atrocities that they've committed in the 20th century alone. I liked your meme. Which one? The, the one uh, that was like, the government would never do that to us. And then it had the guy oh, pulling yeah. the, card, the card catalog of all the things that the government's <laughs> that's done. Just it's like, the oh, United, that, that's that. just the U.S. government. And that's a small list there. That's yeah, by the, the way, uh, if you're not following years. us on Instagram, you should do that. Freedom strips on Instagram. I like it. I'm not as libertarian as uh, as Keaton, but uh, it, is a, it is a good account to follow. I like the I meme. Would, I just, they're just a bunch of meme repos. I, I see something I like and I'll post it on there. It's all good yeah. and fun. <laughs> so I had a, I had a question. I had a question as far as the escalation goes. You know, you're asking, you're asking the question of how far should they go? And I know you and I had kind of gotten off on a tangent. And I was going to check this with you real quick. Your listeners are probably like, "What does this have to do with anything?" I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm curious about this. <laughs> Keaton and I got into a conversation about uh, the lady that got tased. She was what fifties, sixties in She's a small a, town. Yeah. Yeah, she was a uh, aggressive old lady that was pretty mad about a uh, a, tra- a simple traffic so, violation. Correct me. I'll, I'll I'll tell the story. You stop me. Correct me if you feel like I've had a mischaracterization or not telling the story right. But this lady gets pulled over, and it's a broken tail light, and the guy issues her a citation, and she says, Can, "Can't you just give me a warning?" And he says, "No, not today, because it's been over six months. Ex- yeah, it's been, it's been six, six months." It's been six months and like yeah. you're you're not trying at this point. So you're going to have to. Here's a citation. I think it was 60 to 80 dollars, something like that. Yeah. She got very, very angry pretty quickly, became quite disrespectful. And uh, and then she said something. And so he gives her an order like she's oh, she's not going to sign the ticket. That's what it was. He gives her the citation. She refuses to sign it. Um, I guess you don't get to do that. And so like you, you have to, it's not an admission of guilt, but you do have to sign that you have been served the citation. And so she refuses to sign it and attempts to leave. Yeah. And he orders her to stop. She refuses to stop. Well, he orders he, her, he orders her out of the car. He's going to arrest her for not signing the ticket. And so that's he, right. He, he tells her to get out of the car. She's being under arrest. And, and she goes, no, you're not. It's like, she's, obviously escalating the situation like she's already escalated the situation it was all on her the cops following his line of duty i I mean we're going to get into this i'm sure but essentially he tells her that she's being arrested she (laughs) refuses she says no "No, i'm not and uh like you said she attempts well she does leave she gets in her she she stays in her car and and drives away she stays in her car puts it in drive 
and then um, and attempts to flee. So he, uh, I can't remember if he breaks her window or not, but no, he, in no, essence, no. drags her out of the vehicle, like opens her door, drags her out of the vehicle. She starts kicking and fighting like she is not going to be arrested, and he tases her. Yeah. And then it, it, it kicked off a, they can tase you for a broken taillight. And the question is, I, I can't remember the exact comment that you said, but you said this just shows that there are no laws that they are willing. Anyways, what did you say, Keen? Well, so uh, it was, a you know, after that video, I think I believe my comment was this just proves that there is no law so trivial that they will not enforce it by threatening someone's life over essentially something yeah, that, around something, something, something along like those that, yeah. lines, which is fair. That's a fair comment. Um, and my point was that the idea behind that initial comment was, look, this is how every single law, this is why people need to be so careful passing new laws because the, you don't just pass new laws just to pass new laws and think they're not going to eventually they'll be enforced at gunpoint is what was my point is like, Look, this is this is a broken taillight and eighty dollar ticket that spiraled out of control to the point where th- this this lady is having her life threatened by gunpoint, threatened to be thrown into a cage over an eighty dollar broken taillight. Right. No, you're right. And um, now it was not, interesting. Not saying that she was in the right of escalating the situation, barking back at the cop. Like I said, she could have done what we all do and just mutter under our breath that he could have been doing something more productive going after real criminals and and doing all this kind of other stuff and and just kind of went about our day paid the eighty dollars and and gone on but she chose to obviously do it the hard way it was interesting to me that because it's facebook in the nature of what facebook is everybody jumps cesspool (laughs) (laughs) yes yes it is because everybody jumped on you like you know, ah, don't you think she escalated that? Don't and that wasn't what you were saying. And I'm, right. I'm that's that's one of the things that I, I I love about your brain is that you're thinking through how did we get here, what exactly is happening, why is it happening, and what do our what is our conduct, what is our what are our laws that we're passing at this very moment? All the bills that are up on Capitol Hill that are about to be passed will eventually play out like this. Right. Eventually, someone's going to get stopped for something, and they're going to have to pay a penalty or get electrocuted, which Thrown I guess electrocution means that yeah, your freedom's taken away and all that. So I was trying to get out the like, well, Keaton, what what should that cop have done in that situation? And I think yeah. you and I kind of hashed out a little bit. You felt like they did what they were supposed to. However, yeah. it did illustrate that there is no law so trivial. That it will not be for or enforced with you will die or you will comply. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what it boils down to. And so that's that's why people, you know, they, they just talk about these small laws that are passed all the time. And and these little things just eat away and eat away and chip away and chip away slowly and surely. I mean, this is the, the point that we're at now. And so I, I think that the, the whole idea behind that was just like, you know, it's just a. a brain exercise it's a thought exercise of just being like look right. does a does an 80 dollar broken taillight deserve like at the end of that granted she escalated the situation she drove away but like look man she refused to sign an 80 dollar ticket about a broken taillight she was going to be thrown in jail for that and since she 
she denied that that was a viable cause to be arrested for. And, you know, I don't agree with her fleeing the scene like that, but look, it, it, it ended with her having a gun drawn on her and, and forcibly expelled from the car at gunpoint. And she did get tased. She was, she was a feisty old lady. That's for sure. But, uh, (laughs) that is for sure. That is for sure. I would not recommend, like I said, I said in that post, I was like, look, if you enjoy being able to <laughs> walk around and enjoy your day and not be tased or held at gunpoint, don't do what that lady did. Just pay the well, 80 bucks. You think about the police officers that it put it puts them in such a way that if somebody refuses to comply with your dem- or your your requests or your demands as an enforcer of the law, that guy didn't make that law. Right, And that's kind of goes back to what you're saying. It's so important that we make sure that the laws that we're passing, that we are willing to enforce them to the point of death, because ultimately that's where it's going. So like you said, all these little frivolous laws that, that erode away and just become things, it's like, that, that's a big deal. Yeah. And my brain, like immediately my brain goes to like, of course, that's a, that's a thing like that law enforcement you know, officers say like, okay, for example, like marijuana laws, right? I think the majority of the country can, I think a vast majority of the country is like, look, these things need to go away. You don't need to be throwing people in cages for smoking a plant. Like, honestly, like you're going to throw these people in a cage with violent criminals and murderers for, for smoking a plant. Most people can't agree with that. So my point is, the officers didn't make that law. They're just enforcing it. Isn't that worse? Well, I mean, ugh, you're going you're going through that whole who's who's at fault here? How far do you want to go? Well, that no, I mean, I we don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but that's just like where my my head is like it's like okay, you don't make the laws. Like what's who's to say like someone doesn't get into office? Very drastic scenario, I know. Slavery's legal again. Who's like, do you enforce that? And who's more at fault for pass? Are you, you're passing that slavery is legal. Who's, who's more like, are you going to enforce that? (laughs) It's a lot easier when we're talking about an $80 ticket. Yeah, no, I went directly. That's like invoking Hitler in a conversation. (laughs) That's That's true. You did it. The nuclear nuclear bomb, the proverbial nuclear bomb in a conversation is like, well, okay, let me invoke Hitler in this conversation. If Hitler did this, you know. I don't mean to do that, but I'm just trying to explain where my head's at. No, I get it. I I think that once once you look at government as a social contract and you start looking at like John Locke and his <sighs> writings on the I ideas. I didn't sign nothing, Matt. I didn't <laughs> sign nothing. I it's didn't like sign you, no contract. You start looking at like what we agree to. And is that even is that even right, you know, to say, hey, um, also, I learned this the other day, and I thought you might would be interested in that, is the death penalty in America was a lot more designed to stop honor killings than it was as far as a retributive measure. Does that make sense? Mm. It was, it was yeah. designed in a, it was, it, it was introduced in a time of uh, the Hatfields and the McCoys. And so if you read, uh, I think it's Outliers. The book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, he talks about the honor killings in Appalachia 
or Appalachia, depending on how you say that word, uh, and how the descendants there shared an honor-killing and grudge-holding culture, much like the Scottish Highlands um, over in the mainland. And a lot of the people who settled there were the Irish-Scottish immigrants. And so it was like, you know, you slept with my sister without marrying her. That's worthy of death. And it's like you had that death. And then people were killing each other. One story to me, was the, this was the most amazing. There was a guy, and he would talk trash Every time he would go get gas at a gas station, there was a guy that lived in a cabin near it. He would always talk trash to this old man. And the old man said to him, if you say that to me again, I'm going to kill you. And the next day he said it to him and the dude shot him in the face with a shotgun from, oh. about, six, from about six feet away. They, took, they arrested him, took him to front of the judge. And the judge, it is on record, said any self-respecting man would have shot him sooner. <laughs> yeah yeah really so people yeah people don't realize the violence that was being doled out in the 1800s people were being murdered all the time there oh. was no twitter there was no facebook there was no instagram there was no cnn we did not know these things it did not make but like the local courthouse they took him down He's like, yeah, man, he's, he had been talking to that old man like that, and five witnesses had heard him for the last six months, and any self-respecting person would have shot him sooner, case dismissed. So you had these local magistrates kind of deciding, okay, well, this is worthy of death, this is not. And so the death penalty was one of those things to say, hey, look, if somebody kills your mom, and then you decide, I don't care about the legal system, I'm going to kill him. The legal system kind of complied with public pressure to say, hey, 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 no vigilante justice will kill him for you. <laughs> hey, we don't want you to go around doing justice in your own hands. Exactly. We'll, we'll do it no, for you. It was one of those things like, well, if he's convicted by 12 of his peers, the state will do it. And in that way, the state maintains control hmm. because what you, what you had was families killing each other. Yeah, unbelievable rates. And so I learned that the death penalty was actually more about appeasing public rage than it was about the concept of a, an eye for an eye. That That's so interesting because I, I never thought about that and I never really read up on the history of that, but that totally makes sense. Like this, that's a, that's a day and age where if you just had a disagreement, like if, if someone called your shoes trash back in the 1800s, you could challenge them to a duel and be like, look, I'll kill you right here, right now <laughs> over this discussion. Look, man, this, we're settling this, this disagreement. Yeah. I mean, you have past us presidents doing duels all the time, like over a hundred duels. Was it, uh, I can't remember. Was it Andrew Jackson that had like an insane amount of duels? Um, that he performed and there were, there were men being killed every day on duels. Just over I bet if you brought that back, you'd have a lot less Twitter chatter. <laughs> if, <laughs> yeah, could you imagine Trump's big mouth in a duel? And that a, guy would not duel anyone. <laughs> I want to see it, man. There was a, uh, there was talks about like, can we, can we please get, uh, Trump and Biden or Trump and Sanders in the boxing ring just do a pay-per-view <laughs> match two old fat flabby men just beating each other in a ring I do think Trump would win that one I, I think that I think that Bernie and Biden are over the hill <laughs> yeah well Trump's got a little bit more meat on his bones so they carry a little bit more weight got that but, crazy crazy energy yeah <laughs> Um, one of the other topics I did want to chat with you about, Matt, uh, is uh, this Jeffrey Epstein craziness. Now, I did 
talk about a couple episodes ago, the kind of, I, I kind of touched on it briefly. I kind of did an outline of like, he had been arrested, um, his kind of past charges that he get off, got let off easy, got this sweetheart deal and his possible connections and all these kind of theories, the spider web theory of like, how is Jeffrey Epstein connected to everything, all these powerful people. And of course, as everyone has heard, this dude commits suicide quotation marks, you know, suicide potentially the, the, uh, I, I, the last I checked the, the corners and everyone doing the autopsy is still have his status as pending. They, they don't, they haven't done a definitive answer on like, you know, did he hang himself? How, like, how did he die? How, how did any of this happen? And uh, for, for those that don't know that don't know that the, the timeline on this was um, Jeffrey Epstein had agreed to talk. He was going to talk. He uh, was found a couple weeks ago with bruises on his neck, half conscious. Either he attempted suicide and failed or someone had attacked him. I don't know the answer to that. So, due to that, they put him on suicide watch. And for those that don't know, suicide watch means constant surveillance. They have a video camera in your cell. They have a physical person in your cell. um, And you are checked on in 10 to 15 minute intervals at all times. And there is absolutely nothing in your cell. They don't have sheets. They don't have anything that you can, in the cell, they don't have anything that you could remotely attempt suicide in a suicide watch preventative cell. All right. They have rubber walls and all that kind of good stuff. Um, I heard, I heard that the sheets actually have a tensile strength of like 20 pounds, making them a lot more akin to like a paper towel so that mm. if they, the sheets they do give you cannot, they will not hold body weight. They will not hold more than 20 pounds. I believe that's the same thing with your clothes that you wear as well. Right. So there, and there was another guy that said there is no railing over three, over three feet tall, right. meaning there's nothing to hook anything to, to kill yourself because you can choke yourself out. But as soon as you pass out, you stop choking yourself and you will regain consciousness in, in order to kill yourself. You have to stop blood flow for a while. If he's in a cell by himself, he would need to suspend something that could hold his body weight and hold pressure on his carotid arteries to basically starve his brain and kill him. And there was a guy who was an inmate there that said, <laughs> he's like, there's, there's no way that you cannot do it. They, it is, he's the first person in the history of that prison system to kill himself. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's just like, so you're telling me, and of course, Twitter blew up after this news. It's just like it, the top five things of the seven things that they show trending was like, Clinton body count, Epstein suicide, Epstein murder, you know, all these conspiracy theories going on. And and I think it's, you know, it's worth talking about is like, and I, I almost find this encouraging to where people are actually calling out the BS of like, look, this, this does not look right at all. All right. You've got the, and this was actually a unifying story for both the left and the right sure from what i yep. saw like both sides were saying like what 80, is this 89 percent of all those polled across every sphere was like he was murdered 
It was like 89% of people believe he was murdered. Yeah. Well, this dude was connected to so many, like, this is the thing. When they raided that guy's house, okay, so let me do just a brief overview. Jeffrey Epstein. All right. This guy, Jeffrey Epstein, his first job he was given to by Bill Barr's father. So Bill Barr, if you don't know, Bill Barr is the attorney general of the United States. Okay. He took, he, you may have heard his name from the, the Robert Mueller situation. Bill Barr's father hired Epstein as a teacher at the school that he worked at. So he hired him at his, at his, as a teacher at the school he worked at. So Jeffrey Epstein's first job was he was hired on by Bill Barr's father. So that's a weird connection right there. First of all, uh, second of all, no one knows how this guy made his fortune. He is either, I haven't seen an exact number cause no one really knows. He's either a multi multi-millionaire potential billionaire. And the thing about this is it's funny. I was listening to a podcast about this today. Think about this is most billionaires and very wealthy people leave a pretty large footprint for you to follow how they made their money. Okay. Such a footprint does not exist for Jeffrey Epstein. And there's a large case to be made that Jeffrey Epstein made his money through blackmail. And why is that the, the top choice for how he made his money? Well, he's a financier. He, he started his own uh, investment company that um, he was <laughs> he was hired on to take control of investments of multimillionaires and billionaires with no history of doing that in the past. So he just starts out with investment portfolios for millionaires and billionaires, controlling those with his own investment firm. Okay, that sounds fishy with no background in that whatsoever. You're just controlling that. All right, whatever. This guy also owns an island, a ranch on a, on his own private island that has been deemed pedophile island now because he, he is known to have underage women there and to bring powerful people over to his island to engage in illegal activities with underage women. And when they raided this guy's house, they found cameras everywhere. They found cameras at every corner in every room and they found <laughs> they found a dentist chair in his bathroom i don't know i mean let your mind go where it will but dentist activities were not being performed in the bathroom so this guy has um when they raided his safe they found a passport with his photo on it and not his name not his real name they found cd's uh, of uh, photographs and digital photos and videos with names written on them with uh, it the the kind of law documents they have it blacked out but it's like it was your name or or person's name plus young women and so he has all these people and it's obviously blackmail this guy is obviously luring these powerful people in he's getting them on camera with these young women doing illegal activities and he's blackmailing them. And so this guy decides he's going to talk and squeal finally. And he winds up dead. Like there's just way too much here, man. Yeah. That, that, that's something that I was telling a friend this the other day. I was like, 
in 50 years, they're going to make a Jeffrey Epstein movie and no one's going to believe it. Like, no one's going to believe it. It was that, that crazy. And this is obviously unconfirmed because I don't remember the source, but I was listening to something and it was saying that the tail identification number on his jet was matched a military jet. And he was, they were saying, that doesn't happen ever. Yeah. But that makes his flight logs not logged by the FAA. When he flew from New York to his island, it was unknown. Like they didn't know when those were happening because his tail log was wow. a different log. So when it would get picked up, that it, they're like, they're, who knows how many times he went there, but it was something like Bill Clinton was on there 21 times or 17 times or something 20, like that. Uh, 20, 26, I believe, was the, the number with four separate trips, like 26 flights on four separate trips. It was just like, that's the thing, man. This guy, um, oh, also um, Acosta, which was the labor secretary under Trump that was uh, that had to step down because he was the, the head prosecutor on Jeffrey Epstein's case back in 2007, I believe it was. Right. And uh, Jeffrey Epstein was charged with soliciting underage minors. And uh, he ended up, getting this sweetheart deal from the justice system with essentially he, what he was able to do was like serve. He just served like a couple years, like two years or something like that. And he was able to leave his At cell. Home. He was able to leave for 12 hours a day, have his own meals provided for him. He was able to have meetings with people in close behind closed doors with no law enforcement there. He was able to do his dealings. It was just this unbelievable sweetheart deal. And people are like, no, that's BS. Like the this guy was in charge of prosecuting him back in 2007 and he's as the the head labor secretary now. And so he stepped down, but what has been found out now is this guy went and said like, "Look, I was going after Epstein hard." And what happened was as we were about to to pursue him hard hard for these crimes, I was uh he said I was touched on the shoulder by by his boss or someone high in intelligence and said Look, this is above your pay grade. You need to back off. That's what he said. You can Google this. Acosta said that he was touched on the shoulder. He was told that Epstein was above his pay grade. He was connected to intelligence and to back off. That was crazy. I I didn't hear that part. That's insane. I did hear the part where Acosta said, you have never experienced the kind of pressure that he had with his law firms. He said, you know, it was our state office against 23 of the top attorneys in the world. And he was like, and five of them were not against the case. They were against me personally. They had private investigators going through everything in my life. He's like, I had uh, death threats and them telling me that, that they were you know, going to try to get me for tax evasion and things like that, that they were going after him personally. And he was like, look, this is... Until you've been there, you have no idea what you're up against. And I was like, "Chase, this is this cannot be real." Here's the part I know you're uh, you got some more stuff to say about it. The thing that was crazy to me, Keaton, is I obviously follow some weird Instagram accounts on both sides because I think it's awesome. But when I when he got arrested, people started making memes where like Jeffrey Epstein has an 843 percent higher rate of suicide now, and like then when he agreed to talk, they were like, "Dude, watch out! Jeffrey Epstein's about to kill himself." And so there were all these memes 10 days before that ever yeah. happened. Yeah. Like, and so people were like, uh-oh, he's about to kill himself. Uh-oh, he's about to go silent. And then 
this was the this was the other one. There was a, a a site that posted a meme. It said Jeffrey Epstein's about to talk. Just wait for the mass shooting. This was five days before El Paso and Dayton. I did see some of that. People were like, watch for the mass mass shooting events or like major events to take news off of the right. off of the upcoming is, Epstein news. This is a deep state. This is a deep state rev, uh, reveal. And they're like, look, man, this one they will not let Epstein stay in the in the media and in the news because you had yeah, the, that was the, wild. Because you had uh, what's his name, um, Mueller, and mm-hmm. then it was you know Mueller flopped, and they were like, let's get move on, and then Epstein's all that stuff started popping off. Here's another thing that's crazy: the vice president of Disney. Do you hear about that? No. Vice president of Disney was arrested for pedophilia. Really? Yes, and he had connections to Epstein. This is the thing, man. This guy, this guy was the major domino. To there was no way this guy was getting out alive. No way. They don't no care way. how obvious it was. Everyone's calling out the BS at how. Listen, this is the thing. Like they're like, okay, so Epstein committed suicide. How was he? How was he allowed to commit suicide? He was taken off suicide watch a week before. After he only like two weeks after he potentially attempted suicide. They put him on suicide watch. They take him off suicide watch and he's allowed to kill himself. And then you're like, okay, well, don't they have, they have cameras in these federal prisons, right? So they have 24 seven surveillance on these prison cells. Of course, it's a federal prison. This is the most watched, most high, highly watched uh, prisoner in the United States right now. Of course they have video. Definitely the highest valuable. Yep. Yeah. Of course, they have video of, in, uh, of him in his cell, and they have video of his suicide. Well, no, it turns out they don't have video because of a camera malfunction in his cell. <laughs> Are you kidding me, dude? Do you think it was actually him? Have you heard the, the, the theory? I know that we're getting into conspiracies a little bit here, but... Yeah, we're going deep here. There's a theory about the white van. There was a person that posted on 8chan, and they said that <clears throat> uh, they've worked in that federal prison. And that they never transport prisoners. There's never a prisoner transport on the weekends. And that a white van they failed to get the tag of, and the camera glitch didn't catch it, transported a prisoner. And they were like, I'm telling you, they switched them. A swap. Like, oh, so they're saying that they swapped them? They swapped them. Like Jeffrey Epstein's A, not dead, and B, not in that prison. They were saying <clears throat> they think they that either he's... Either he was murdered or um, here's the one that, that disappointed me. Shapiro, I listened to his podcast today about it, and he was saying that it was a conspiracy theory, that it was you know, his whole thing of attribute to, um, what is it, uh, incompetency. Don't attribute malice when incompetency will do. And I think that probably fits for most things. Yeah. But he thinks, he's like, you know, these prison guards, one of them, the person who was supposed to be watching Jeffrey Epstein was on his fifth day of overtime because of a shortage and the other person who was supposed to be was working mandatory overtime on his third day at like 24 hour shifts and they were saying like they they broke protocol they didn't go by every 30 minutes or 15 minutes like they were supposed to and so that was the protocol that was broken and he's like well it doesn't appear you know we we shouldn't be buying into all these conspiracies so quickly however it would be not i would i would agree with that i'm pretty slow to buy into conspiracies until 10 days before the whole internet is saying this dude's about to kill himself and then he tries and they're like see i told you y'all better protect that man 
and nothing is done. Yeah, and then and then he kills himself, and, and we're all supposed to be a, like they, ha- they have a camera malfunction in his cell, so you don't have video of him in his cell when it happened. Come on, man. You should know. I mean, there's there's just man. Come on, like you said, I'm I'm not as Gulf of Tonkin everything. This one, I'm, I agree with you. The the web is so big, and when the VP of Disney went down with for pedophilia and child porn charges, and he had Epstein connections, and then he had uh, Bill Clinton had connections. Donald just, Trump, like I mean, in, in in a very roundabout way, Donald Trump had connections with Epstein. Epstein is connected to um, every billionaire, potentially, potentially uh, CIA. Right. Intelligence, potentially, with if you take Acosta at his word that he was told to back off, that he was connected to the CIA, you have options of the uh, Mossad connection, the Israeli, uh, it's essentially the Israeli intelligence agency, his his uh, confidant, his his like uh, the woman who is this Gillisley, Gillisley, yeah, I think Gillisland procurer of uh, yeah, the, of essentially the lady, the lady that would find the girls for him. She's the daughter of a Mossad agent. Mossad intelligence so he's got Mossad connections you got the fake pass Saudi Arabia passport like this dude was connected to so many powerful people you just can't take and this is the thing is the media is like look you can't there's all these conspiracy theories going around look uh, all you can do like the Ben Shapiro like look it's just incompetence and that's entirely plausible if you didn't have all this other connections like this is a major player this is a major domino in this giant spider web of pedophilia in the higher ranks of the people that control all this stuff it's just like look these these the corporate media is saying look don't look into these conspiracy theories okay these are crazy meanwhile they're peddling the conspiracy theories that putin's in control of the white house and Russia's in control of the United States because they have a P tape with Donald Trump with some hookers in a hotel room. They they have no problem peddling those conspiracy theories, but with Jeffrey Epstein, the pedophile connected to Bill Clinton, they're saying, "No, nah, don't look into these things." That was that was kind of the 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 take that Shapiro took today was he was talking about even the Black Lives Matter, the hands up, don't shoot conspiracy. That all the top Democratic presidential uh, candidates—they're uh, still are talking about yeah, they're still talking about Michael Brown as if that wasn't already debunked, right? Yeah, I don't know, man. The Epstein thing freaks me out on a on a deep level. I don't I don't typically uh, I don't buy into a lot of those things, but that's one of those ones where you're like, uh, that one feels weird. And I said, I said in my episode a couple weeks ago, I was like, look, I have no confidence that anything's going to come of this. This is too big of a story with too big, too many large players for this to play out the way that I want or that anyone wants. And lo and behold, here we are talking about Epstein potentially committing suicide in his own cell or at the worst. All right. Or at the best. All right. At the best case scenario, you have the government so incompetent that they let the highest value prisoner in recent history commit suicide in his own cell a week after he was put on suicide watch. At the worst, that is the incompetence of the government right there. Right? Or at the best, right. excuse me. At its best, right. the government incompetence to allow this man to kill himself at when he's about to spill huge names that is about to put this domino effect down on large players. 
Okay. At its worst, this dude who, so you got to ask, who are these people that are in charge, right? Why do so many high value people have ties to a guy who owns a pedophile island? And that's what the locals call it. Pedophile island. How does, how do the people in charge have connections to a, a guy who by all evidence available made his billionaire fortune off of blackmail. All these powerful past presidents, but present presidents with Donald Trump, other billionaires connect potentially connected to intelligence agencies on both the Israeli and American side. Who are these people and why are they connected to Jeffrey Epstein, a known pedophile? And why is Epstein so was why was Epstein so protected back in 2007 given this sweetheart right. deal man it's just there's way too much there to take this story on its face right and one of the things the fact that uh, Disney owns so many media outlets and so when Disney's VP went down they tried to bury that story I didn't hear about Disney's VP that's that's very interesting yeah, look that one up. The thing I was going to say is, at at worst, it's the incompetency of the government. At best, it's the incompetency of the government. At worst, it tells you how far the deep state actually goes. Right. Yeah. And so, at its base, at its base, like the best case scenario, the incompetency of the government. That's the same government that wants to run your health care and protect you. They want to take away your guns, but they're going to protect you, right? They can't even protect a guy on suicide watch in a federal prison. Exactly. They can't even exactly. keep drugs out of their own prisons, man. Like they're doing all these all this drug war stuff, man. They're throwing in people in prisons for drugs. They can't even keep drugs out of their own prison. So this is the system that you're relying on for your health care, your protection, foreign policy, all this good stuff. Yeah, that that's that's probably the part of it that's most concerning is you look at this is this is our republic. And if this is how genuinely corrupt it actually is at the deepest levels, because do you remember somewhere Alex Jones is laughing? Somewhere Alex <laughs> Dude, Jones I'm feels telling you, justified. Everybody on Twitter turned into, into Alex Jones. Dude, somewhere Alex Jones is like, I told you. You know, it's, and the thing is, you know, I he was the one, he was the one reading those Podesta emails. Yep. That were so disturbing about pedophilia. And he's like, I'm telling you, there's a there's a pedophile ring in, in Washington, D.C. And it goes all the way. All the billionaires, Joe, they drink in the blood. And you're like, OK, it's getting crazy. However, I wouldn't I would have normally been like, all right, that's just too far for me. But the Epstein thing, it's 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 kind of like Joe Rogan said on the podcast. He was like, oh, Jesus, all the stuff he's telling me, you can Google. That's and it's, the thing. It's, it's actually out there. And so the Epstein thing, you know, kind of comes to a head with, like you said, probably the biggest domino. The procurer of this gets arrested and says, okay, I'm willing to talk, and then tries to kill himself and fails, and then gets put on suicide watch, and then gets killed, either by himself <laughs> or by a person. And it's and like, there's no video. <laughs> and there's no video of it. And you're like, oh, man, this, I'm, t- I'm telling you. In a hundred years, when they unseal all the documents and they pull all the history records and realize what was going on, they're going to make a movie about it, and people people are going to be like, "There's there's no way that was real." Like, yeah, man, well, we're that, not going to get the we're not going to get the full story. Not That's in our a, lifetime, no. 
no, we're not going to get the full story and we're not going to know the people who are actually tied to this guy are not going to go down. I was talking to my dad about this the other day. It's like the, the small fries are going to go down. They're going to take down the small fries and be like, look, justice has been served. We got all these people. Look, the small fries here, you know, that's how it, that's how it's done. Small fries go down with the ship. Meanwhile, the big players, they're still scot-free. There, there was no way this guy was getting out alive and, and we'll get off of this subject here, but, um, we like and this one. It, I do like this. Well, you know, I don't like to. I enjoy the. the. It's crazy. Now, I enjoy the every now and again conspiracy theory. All right. So it's funny you brought up Alex Jones. I don't listen to Alex Jones a lot, but I enjoy his podcast with Ale- or uh, with uh, Joe Rogan. I think they're some of the most entertaining podcasts ever created it's one of the but best four hours of entertainment ever I, I was talking to you the other day i was i was texting you and i was saying that i went down a rabbit hole the other day where i watched his documentary on bohemian grove and oh, I need to uh, write that down is it on yeah, youtube uh yeah i believe it is you can watch the whole documentary on youtube but it was done in like the 90s on like a uh like a camcorder so the, the quality is pretty poor but man i'm telling you that is some creepy stuff. This goes all the way back to like President Nixon talked about Bohemian Grove and uh, and he talked about it being like. <laughs> uh, anyway, you can look it up for yourself. There is some creep. They've got this giant um, mon- like this. Uh, it's a carving of an owl in the stone. And these people put on like it's supposed to be these like performance arts, like a play where these people go and they talk to this owl like it's a god and they give a a burnt offering sacrifice to this owl and they call it Molech. And uh, Alex Jones goes into like the biblical um, definitions of Molech being this pagan god. And uh, he talks about the burnt sacrifice that they offer to it. They actually have a uh, a cutout of a. It's not a real human child, but it is a carving of a real human child that they light on fire for this Olmec. And you have known presidents going and visiting Bohemian Grove, Nixon, like, um, uh, uh, look, look it up. Bohemian Grove, watch the documentary if you want to. It's like an hour, hour and a half long. But it is some wild stuff where you're like, look, these are the elites of our country going to this place, watching these weird ritual events. And and there's been all kinds of weird connotations taking place at at that place where they they uh, that's where they had the meeting for the development of the nuclear bomb was at Bohemian Grove. That was where the idea was planted for the Manhattan Project. It's like, man, this is all crazy stuff. Holy and, crap. I, was, I looked it up on Wikipedia. I'm like, what? Why don't yeah, people know about this? Dude, it's it's wild, man. All these pagan like ritualistic events happening at that place and known past U.S. presidents going there during the... I believe it takes place in July is where like the ceremonies happen every year. Um, But yeah, it, it's, it is wild. But I want to get off of this. I'm, I'm tired of conspiracy theories here. yeah we we fell into that one pretty good yeah (laughs) but uh i know one thing that um we we did want to talk about was the u.s financial situation yeah you're very pessimistic about this uh i don't i well 
by, I believe it was Bloomberg. Let me see. Uh, I think I sent it to you, but I can't find the tweet right now. But um, you freak Bloomberg, me out every time we talk. Bloomberg said we are at the greatest chance of a market recession than we have ever been in since 2008. So the chances of a recession have never been greater since 2008 than absolutely right now. And so this is the thing where um, you want to talk about like the, the, the causes or like, what do you, what do you think the financial, like, what do you think, Matt, I want to hear your, you talk for a little bit because I've been talking about Bohemian Grove and all this mess, but I want to hear you talk a little bit about the U S financial situation. Where do you think it's at currently? Where do you think it's going? What do you think has caused it? Give me your thoughts. Let me go real deep here for you, Keaton. You ready? All right. Let's say it's arrogance. And it goes back to a biblical principle when Adam and Eve left the garden and the the ground was cursed and you will have to work for, um, you have to work against the ground. And um, the idea that our collective brain and our collective power can undo divinity, can undo whatever you call God, whatever you, you know, however you frame that. Even going back to the Tower of Babel, meaning where they tried to build a tower to heaven, whether you believe that's genuine, whether you believe that's a hyperbole, whatever. The idea that we can collectively come together and end suffering or collectively come together and undo truths. And it appears that we have tried to do that starting in the 30s. And I don't want to weave religion and politics together because I think that's very dangerous. So I will do a hard cut there and say entitlements and social programs make up the overwhelming majority of our uh, financial situation, you want to say, in the United States. And anytime a candidate runs to reform those or change those, let's take a Paul Ryan, for example. He wants to, quote, push grandma over the cliff. They get voted down. Anybody that's ever tried to do an entitlement reform gets does not get elected. It is a very unpopular thing to take. However, if a company were to try to do what the United States government is doing, the government would call that illegal or unlawful because what they're doing is they're saying, we're going to let you, Keaton, take out a debt. And when you fail to pay that debt, it will go to your children. And when they fail to pay that debt, it will go to their children. You will always be indebted to this thing that we call social security or social programs. And it's, it's more, more, more. Go, go, go. Nobody wants to be told. It's like, the, it's like a toddler. No toddler wants to be told, no, that's enough. No more. No, you can't do this. It, nobody likes to hear that. And so it appears that we've tried to replace dependence on God with a dependence on the highest form of deity that we can make ourselves. And that is money. And if we can get everybody's money together, then we can be more than we are. And it's never enough. And it it just keeps going and going. And anytime somebody threatens to touch that idol, we freak out. And I don't see how I don't see how it gets better other than the balloon has to pop at some point, right? 
Well, that's that's my idea. Is I mean, it's got to it, it has to end at some point, right? I mean, we're, we're twenty three trillion in debt. The spending is going higher and higher. Obama or uh, excuse me, Trump has spent more than Obama. The spending keeps going higher, and that's the thing. Is like, look, I have my own issues with Trump. Look, the tax cuts, I believe, overall, were good. I, I like people keeping more of their own money, right? But it does nothing if you don't cut spending. Right. That accelerates the, the train ride, right? You're just pushing the gas further on the floor. Um, it, It's got to go come to an end at some point. I, I think that, you know, look... The Federal Reserve, Look, you look back at what Ron Paul was saying back in 2008 and 2012. 2012 is kind of where I started flirting with the idea of like, what do I really believe? It was like, I remember kind of watching Ron Paul on the debate stage in 2012 being like, what is this guy saying? Like, this guy is like, uh, he's getting some pretty good cheers, but he's talking about ending the Fed and like audit the Fed and the Fed needs to go. And they're the reason for these problems on the monetary system and and this 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 whole system it's a it's a semi private or i mean it's a privately owned bank that loans money to the federal government at low interest rates and floods the market with cash and i mean they they everything roots back to the federal reserve and and if you want to go even further back it goes back to central banking when the central bank was first installed in the united states when the first started introducing central banking to the United States. That's when you started to see people take for granted. They, they say booms and busts are just what you get from an economic cycle. It's just what it is. That's, that's the market. You get booms and you get busts. Well, the Austrian school of economics says, no, that's not actually the case. The booms and the busts come from market intervention from the government and the federal reserve in this central bank is the cause of these booms and busts. This is a thing. Do you think and this gets, I mean, I encourage everyone to go look into the Federal Reserve for yourself. Do your own research. Don't take my word for it. Do your own research on the Federal Reserve. Do, you know, think what you want to think about it. I don't think that a privately owned organization, a privately owned bank that loans money to the federal government at the, at the, at a single sentence can control what the entire market and economy does. They can say higher rates or lower rates. And when they say higher rates, the market plummets at th- two words. Higher rates, markets plummet. Lower rates, markets soar. That doesn't sound to me like a financial, like a stable brick by brick built economy to me. That sounds like a faulty influenced heavily influenced economy that's not a solid economy to me and that's where this this whole thing is is gonna like you see it we're 23 trillion in debt this bubble's gonna pop and by all estimates they say it's gonna make 2008 look like a a kid roller coaster this isn't even the beginning well that's terrifying for everybody (laughs) for everybody who's trying to retire at some point in their life here's a question though if it collapses who do we owe money to and how do they make us pay this is this is the thing dude and this is what libertarian this is what a lot of libertarians believe i listen to a lot of libertarians podcasts Uh, some of them are anarcho-capitalists but look the only solution 
The only way to get off of this joy ride that we're on right now is to secede and default. That's the secede and default. Who are we defaulting to? Uh, well, that's the thing. Like the states, this is the thing is like, I don't know how all of this is going to play out, but eventually people are going to be left on the hook for trillions of dollars. And they're going to be like, look, I don't know what to tell you. Like this thing's going to pop and be like, we can't pay it. I don't know what to tell you. Like in 2008, the only reason we got out of 2008, like we did is because the government pumped trillions of dollars and bought out and all these bailouts for these companies that should have gone out of business. It's quantitative easing. Yeah. All of these banks that they bailed out, you know, you see the, the, the bailouts with Obama and these big banks and you see the bailouts of these automotive companies. This is the thing. Those companies should have got, if they were, if it was truly a free market, which I, I talked to Brian Nichols about this, uh, several episodes ago, I was like, why is socialism, the idea of socialism rising in America? And I was like, my idea of it was like, people have the wrong idea. They think the system we have right now is capitalism when it's not, it's not capitalism. This is crony capitalism. This is corporatism. I mean, you have the government. There is nothing more that big business loves more than big government. I mean, and this is the thing I wanted to say this too. Milton Friedman had a saying that he used to say all the time. Milton Friedman used to say, there's nothing that was so permanent as a temporary government program. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. That's true, especially an economic program. And and that's what you find is spending keeps climbing up. Spending keeps going up. We're borrowing more and more money. And that's so why got- that's why I'm bullish on crypto. I mean, that, that's that, that's where I see this thing going. I've got a uh, who owns the U.S. national debt, and it's thirty-two percent are U.S. investors, twenty-nine percent are foreign investors. The U.S. AK- government, aka China, <laughs> aka China, twenty-seven percent is the U.S. government holding its own debt. I guess that's us. That's yeah, the American uh, citizen because the, the U.S. government doesn't have any money, yeah. and the Federal Reserve holds eleven percent. So if we defaulted, and technically, if the investors be damned, and the foreign investment be damned, and the Federal Reserve be damned, our debt's only like five point seven two trillion that we default on ourselves. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's op- that's optimism. Five trillion in debt in a world war. What what do you got? <laughs> so I think it's I think it's interesting to try to understand because you know simple simple minded me I'm like well who are we in debt to and why. And because the system, like you said, has become so crony capitalist and like, not even, I even hate to throw the word capitalism in there, crony corporatism in bed with governments, you're like, well, who, who owns, who has the money and who are we in debt to and why? And it's, it's all promises to pay. But um, the one optimistic point I did have about my thought process was when someone said, hey, our government, if we default, we take everybody down with us. Like everybody will go down. Every every economy in the world will go down with the United States. So if we default to them, what can they do? Like if China calls on all the debts and says, hey, we want the debt or we're not trading anymore with you, 
it will destroy China's economy as much as it will destroy ours. And they're like, we're all kind of in this fake debt game together. Are recessions real? Absolutely. But this money number thing they're floating around is not a real, it's not a real game. It's not a real numbers. It's monopoly money because right. we're, we're talking about 25 trillion. Well, at the end of the day, there's only, you're only going to operate in that regard for so long. So if they wipe out 15 trillion in debt, right? Like, well, we're just going to wipe it out. What does that mean? When well, theory, it almost means nothing. Because you're basically saying to some of the investors, hey, what you thought you were going to get back, we promised we'd pay back $20 million. We're not doing that. We don't have it. We're going to pay you $5 million. They're like, well, I don't want that. Well, that's all you're getting because we don't have it. And it's like, okay, so what happens to the world market? Yeah, you'll see, you'll see a decline. You'll see things kind of correct. But this guy was just saying it's not like the 1930s where you had no technologies. Like we have farming now. Like we have, we have things now in place. You would not see mass starvation. It's more, this is more of a monopoly game. And that's why politicians, once they get to that level and see these budget committees and see like, oh, okay, like I got it. We're going to keep paying you for this product until we have to stop. At some point, it does pop, but they were saying it's not going to be the... Uh, I love that they say, because like, who, who are they? <laughs> I can't remember. But <laughs> it it made me think about it in a different term, because at some level, you know, if I'm buying all of your apples, and 100 people are buying your apples, and you're like, well, they're a million dollars a piece, and we're like, we agree to pay it. Just give us the apples today, and we'll pay you eventually. If all 100 of us go... Hey, Keaton, we can't afford to pay that, man. And you're like, but that's what we agreed to. And I say, well, all 100 of us are going to have to stop buying your apples. Well, then your apples are worth zero. So it does no good for you to enforce that debt if no Mm -hmm. one's buying your apples. And now you have to hire an army to punish all of us. And it's like, it'll break out into a physical war. And then money's not even real anyways. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why, that's why my belief is people are going to lose faith in fiat currency. They're going to lose faith in the dollar. They're going to lose faith in this whole system that's been corrupted and perverted and by greed and by corporatism and by government growth, they're going to lose faith in that currency. They want something more solid. That's why you see countries. And in fact, if you look at, if you look at the, uh, I've seen articles on this countries are buying up more gold than they have in years. They are stockpiling gold because they know that something's about to happen. These countries are buying gold. They're stockpiling gold, precious metals. And then you also see the crypto markets going up, dude, when this thing crashes, the crypto markets are going to spike. And that's the thing is people are going to lose faith in this fiat currency after this next recession, this next crash. You're going to see crypto markets at the highest they've ever been because they're going to lose faith in fiat currency. They're going to want something more secure, something with the bit, uh, the um, uh, bit, like Bitcoin, Litecoin, all these types of different uh, cryptocurrencies that are more secure than and, and more secure in their value than the U.S. dollar is. Like you said, these are just numbers on a screen. They aren't backed by anything. It's it's awesome now. They they don't even have to print more money. It is it's called quantitative easing, and all they do is just inflate numbers on a yeah, screen. Right, exactly. And that's what that's what this guy was saying. Was we're not even talking about real numbers at this point. 
Like you it's could not write, physical like paper. Right. It's not paper. It's not. It's not backed by anything. It's backed by a promissory yeah. note that says, "Yeah, we'll pay that." And what his point was, there is. They're not going to come take our gold. They're not going to come take our our whatever. There's nothing to take. Well, we're not even on a gold. We went off on the gold standard for in Correct. the seventies, and that was that was his point. Was it's not like our dollars are backed with gold. It's not like every dollar I have to to give you is even backed by something real. So how much less is it when I say I promise to give you dollars, and you're like, well, <laughs> what are those dollars even mean? It's like, well, those the promissory note of a dollar is worth even less. Than what the dollar is, you know, like it's this this debt is not a real number. So if it's a hundred trillion, if it's two hundred trillion, if it's whatever comes after trillion, he was like, these are just made up numbers. These aren't these aren't even real things. So people who are smarter than me have 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 done some things that maybe I don't fully understand when it comes to those types of market things. But it does appear that it is very difficult to reform any type of entitlement. Um, you know, here's something that you you may not think about, but there's almost two types of people in government. There's the people that want the uh, federal minimum wage lifted. And those are the same people complaining about uh, Medicaid and Medicare going, you know, absolvent. Yeah. But I'm like, you realize that the reimbursement rates for everything have to go sky high. Like you have to match or you'll price industries right out of it. Like things that are using government subsidies. If you increase the federal minimum wage, you better increase those subsidies. So it's like the whole thing just goes crazy. Yeah. And when you already see, I've seen it on Twitter and articles and all this stuff coming. These people on the left that, of course, I I did the whole episode on like making fun of Bernie because he wasn't paying his own people $15 an hour, uh, for his wages. Meanwhile, he's, he's pushing this $15 an hour minimum wage. He's not even paying his own people. But the thing is, there's already outcry saying that 15 isn't enough. We need 20. Like, I know that's wild. We, we need 20, like 15 isn't going to cut it. 15's barely going to get the job done. We need 20, 25, $30 an hour minimum wage. It's just like this. Go ahead. I love Shapiro's response on that. He's like, "Why fifteen? Like, why not hundred? Why not? Why not? Why not twenty? Why not a hundred? If it's if it's not based, and then he used the whole principle that people use the market to guess some fake number. It's like it's the market that dictates it. Like, if you're just going to pick an arbitrary number, why did you pick fifteen? It's like, oh, well, that's what the market seems to be telling us, and then we inflated it to make it feel better." It's like you can't do that. Like, yeah, you, that is a terrible way to plan economics. To go what the market dictates and then say, "And we're going to add some to it." Like, you're going to fundamentally change what the market is and how it functions. I know we have been all over the map. Sorry, I take full credit for that, Keaton. I, I drag <laughs> you into random places. No, I, I enjoy our conversation, and and that's the thing is like if you want to see the market just totally crash or if you want to see small businesses are going to be killed by this type of legislation small businesses will absolutely be brutally crushed on on these minimum wage laws because the small businesses operating in los angeles california and rural kentucky are not the same thing okay they have different wages the living the living wage in la to rural kentucky 
are not nearly anywhere close to the same thing. So when you do a blanket law saying this is what you have to pay everyone, it's going to absolutely obliterate small business. And, and and as we kind of start to close here, I know we've kind of gone on a little bit over time here, but I do want to get your thoughts on, uh, and we kind of touched this at the beginning of the show, red flag laws, Matt Bell, what do you think about the Dan Crenshaw's, the Republicans, Donald Trump himself proposing these gun legislation laws. I've, I've hit Trump on it many times on social media before I've hit him on it on my own show. He's proposed more gun legislation than Obama ever had. And the, and the Republicans right now are looking exactly like Democrats did 15 to 20 years ago. I think it's dangerous. I think that obviously the conversation, you want to have the conversation about how to keep people more safe. I think that it's getting to a point that we don't want to live in a country with each other. And that's that's dangerous. That's terrifying um, that you have one side saying, this is, this is the country I want to live in, and that country takes freedoms away from you. And if you're unwilling to get rid of those freedoms, I don't want to live in this country with you. And that's that's probably the most terrifying because you would think that a, a shooting, a mass shooting would be something we could all rally around and say, this is, this is bad. This dude is a terrible dude. And yeah. that, that was awful, but it, that's not what happened. We, we went at each other. This guy did something and we go at each other and one group goes at another group and the NRA somehow gets blamed. And it's, it's, that's the part that probably scares me the most. Uh, red flag laws, when explained with good rhetoric, they seem like, yeah, no, why not? But when you always have to ask the question, what could go wrong? Ooh, worst case scenario for every, well, this is just how I operate. Like for every scenario, what is the worst case scenario this could be applied to by the government? Because honestly, that's what it's going to, it's going to eventually grow outside of the, every single government program grows outside of the program or outside of the boundaries of its designated limits. It always expands. It always grows. How could this be used? And essentially this is like, this is met. This is not only just a law, this is messing with your God given rights of the second amendment to defend yourself, right? How could this be abused? Yeah. And if they, if, if, if they being our legislators can change and infringe on an amendment and a bill of rights or one of the bill of rights, why not the others? Like exactly. you have to, you have to trample due process pretty well to get red flag, law, red flag laws to work. You have to trample that one and you have to trample, you have to go through the fourth amendment to get to the second amendment. Um, but you look at, you know, kind of the rhetoric that's going on right now. If you could, like, did you see Trump's tweet about uh, Cuomo going crazy? <laughs> Yeah. And saying basically is that, you know, this is a red flag violation. So basically, if you get really mad and threaten to beat somebody up or cause somebody physical harm, now someone can red flag you and have your 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 constitutional rights taken away. Why not? Why can't you be in prison for a minute? Give you a quote cool off period. Yeah. Why can't you be in prison without committing a crime? Just because like you screamed at somebody and you seem dangerous. We just want to make sure you're not going to do something crazy. We or have a whole... You- Give you a we have fine. a holding cell. 
Yeah, give you a fine like they do in the uh, in the UK. They go up and they say, "Hey, you're we don't like what you've been posting on social media. You know, you better cool it down, or you're going to get a fine." And just like that lady with the eighty dollar broken taillight, if you refuse to sign that ticket, they're going to throw you in a cage, or they're going to hold you at gunpoint and throw you in a cage. And it seems far fetched, but you you think about when you start to give away something that is guaranteed to you, a freedom that is guaranteed to you, and you and you give that away, um, it's that door doesn't close back. And one of the one of the things that is one of my favorite quotes is, you know, uh, laws are written in pen, but they're taken back in blood. Like you don't, they those those laws don't come back. You don't get those back. No one comes into power and goes, you know what? We're actually going to let you guys have some more freedoms. Like you only, <laughs> right? <laughs> you only get freedoms back through through physical violence, and that's very unfortunate. But the the I think the point of it for me is this: if they if someone can complain about your rhetoric and complain about your conduct or complain about something you said, and they can come and come into your home, violate your your residence, take away your your uh, a. Take away a right. Let's forget that it's guns. All right. I never realized it's guns. So a lot of people are like, ooh, scary. Let's, you can take those because those terrify me. But let's say it's anything else. The government can literally come into your home based on something a judge agrees to. How many corrupt judges have we seen? How many judges have we seen that are politically motivated? Right. So now we're going to give this inalienable right, put it in the hands of a person, an arbiter of rights now to give this organization called the government the right to come into your home and take away something from you. Well, then it makes a lot of sense then to say, why don't we have a battered woman? Her husband threatens to kill her. Can't she have him put in a holding cell for psychiatric evaluation for three to five days just to see how he's doing? That would stop so many uh, domestic abuses. It would stop a lot of our cops from having to go. It makes sense. And we're not really taking away his false imprisonment. We're not really uh, saying that we're not detaining him. It's really for his own health. Well, that can that's a great argument. You know, if somebody seems like a threat, why not put them in a holding cell or holding facility to hold them? Well, that's called jail. And the, the founding fathers were very big that you cannot be detained without reason or without being charged with a crime. So now your, your rights are being taken away, but you're not actually charged with a crime. This is probably one of the more sinister ideas that I've seen come out in a long time because you're taking what is a guaranteed right, forget that it's guns, and you're putting it in the hands of a complainer that puts it in the hands of a judge that has his own thoughts and concepts about political right and wrong. And he can now be the arbiter of your rights and you have no say in it. And if you resist, you die. Well, that's exactly right. This is this is perversing a fundamental block in our justice system. A fundamental, the very foundation of our justice system is built on a presumption of innocence until proven guilty. You are taking due process out of the window. Essentially what you're doing is when you're removing someone's rights before due process, you are, you are operating under an assumption that they are guilty until proven innocent in the court of law. That is exactly the opposite of what our justice system is built on. 
And this right. is what it's so dangerous. You you mentioned the the tweet that Donald Trump said, and I'll read it here for the listeners who haven't. You know, they maybe they don't, and I don't blame you if you don't follow the Trump or the uh, the Twitter universe, especially with Donald Trump and everything. But uh, essentially, there was a video that came out with Chris Cuomo that was being, and he really was. He was being kind of harassed and picked on by. I'm guessing they were Trump supporters, MAGA hat wearing guys that that were kind of picking on him, and they were videoing. They were obviously picking a fight with Cuomo, and they wanted to what get him. What did they call up. him? They called <laughs> they called him Fredo. If you haven't watched uh, <laughs> The Godfather, you won't get that reference. But Fredo was kind of like the weak weak brother on the Godfather series. But um, essentially, Cuomo got all they they were obviously trying to get Cuomo riled up. But what Donald Trump tweeted, he actually, the president of the United States tweeted this. Donald Trump said, would Chris Cuomo be given a red flag, uh, a red flag for his recent rant, filthy language, and a total loss of control? He shouldn't be allowed to have any weapon. He's nuts. And this is what Justin Amash, you know, have your own views of Justin Amash. I think this guy's done more for liberty than most of Congress ever has in, in the 30 years, 40 years. He said, Justin Amash said, he responded by saying, thank you for illustrating why Americans shouldn't trust that your red flag law won't be used arbitrarily to violate our rights. And that's exactly right. This thing passes. You got people like Donald Trump running this, this ship. You go on a rant on social media or you get caught on video, just getting angry this guy says you can't have, you shouldn't be allowed to have a weapon. You should have your rights stripped from you just from going, just from being angry. Man. That's terrifying. That's, 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 that's a road you don't want to go down on. Yeah. And that's if the, the idea that, that it would always be used for good is just, man, that's something that humanity has struggled with from the very beginning. That's what Lord of the Rings was written about. You know, it's like that allegory and that story is the story of humanity. And it's, you don't want to give anyone, anything, any organization that much power. And government has a way of telling everybody to believe in it and that it's this ultimate good. And then it does the Gulf of Tonkin and then it does Operation whatever that was. Um, what was the one we talked about? <laughs> Northwoods. Northwood. Yeah, it's like you, you have those type of situations. Then you have an Epstein, and it's like, man, anytime there's power concentrated, it attracts the worst types of people. And the idea that you could, you're going to take away the rights of citizens or even jeopardize those rights. Uh, what is that phrase? It's better that a hundred hundred guilty men go free than one uh, innocent man go to prison. That yeah. was a that was a quote from uh, one of the 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 people that. I think it was a founding father that believed in the idea of the presumption of in, of innocence was to say, Hey, look, freedom is a big deal. And I think that quote always comes back. I know we got to get, but that quote always comes back when they had their convention. And I think, ah, what was the guy's name? Anyways, he's a founding father. He came out and a lady asked him, what have you given us? And he says, a Republic, if you can keep it. Yeah. And the average constitution in the world last less than 20 years. Less than 20. We've made it over 270 of them. That's uh, somewhat. <laughs> something, the Constitution's something like been thwarted and perverted and shredded but, since then. But we've kept a lot of it. 
yeah. a lot longer, a lot longer than 20 years. But we're at a point now where it's like, okay, what are we going to do with it? And this was, you know, to make no mistake, America is the great experiment. And yeah. it's, it's been awesome, but uh, it's, it's definitely in a, in a, in a scary point, man. Yeah, it is. That's a, that seems like a sad way to end it. <laughs> end the <podcast>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I, I'm just, uh, I'm sitting here looking at like, I, I get distracted by this. Uh, Matt, if you can't see this, obviously you're listening to a podcast, but right behind Matt, he's got this beautiful painting of a just wonderful chief behind it. Does that chief have a name or do you know uh, who I that is? I think it's Geronimo. Geronimo? Yeah, I'm almost certain it's Geronimo. Mm. So I'm almost distracted. It's like Matt, sometimes he'll, he'll joke around or he'll say something really serious and I won't really take him serious. And then I kind of drift over his right shoulder and I see Geronimo staring me right in the eye with this serious look. <laughs> it's very serious, Keaton. Very serious. Well, Matt, thank you for coming on again, my friend. It was a uh, absolute blast to sit here and talk to you about a uh, plethora of uh, everything uh, <laughs> a, a uh, smorgasbord of of topics here but i as always i enjoy having you on brother um if you haven't already check out matt bell's podcast bell house chats it's located on apple podcasts be sure to take a listen he just does some uh local interviews in make macon georgia uh do you venture out of Macon at all or just you kind of stay local yeah no, I, I try to stay local, but I have, you know, interviewed some people that are not, um, and it's not just local events. It has a lot to do with just cool stories. I like to meet people. It's very non-political. I, I don't like to talk politics in my real life. It's not, not rewarding for me, but I was going to give you a quick shout out, Keaton. One of the coolest things about you, man, is that I can, we can go at it on Facebook and it's, I don't know if people know how much we love each other. So I don't, they're like, Ooh, that was kind of sharp, but it's like, I love, <laughs> I love, I love your brain. I love how you think. And, um, I, I think it's, uh, man, you're just, you're a good dude. And uh, I want to say thanks for what you do. I like that you have a podcast. It's about time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, be sure to check out bell house chats if you haven't already. Um, also, if you haven't yet, one of my big, uh, big, big things I'm trying to get done is if you haven't listened to us before, if this is your first time, if you enjoyed the show, or if you just haven't listened, uh, or if you've uh, listened before and just haven't left us a review, go on to Apple Podcasts, onto the app, leave us a five-star review. I'm trying to boost our five-star reviews there. Um, I would really certainly appreciate it if you went through and did that. Be sure to visit our Facebook page. If you have any stories you want me to cover, post them on there. I'll be sure to see you on the next episode of Freedom Strips. See you guys. 